Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. I need to figure out if I've got the right information for you. Okay, but last week was a lot of fun. So this week, we are talking about what men wish women knew about men. Okay, so uh, let, me, let me just start off here. Nobody likes a bad ending, do they? Nobody likes a bad ending. We, we just don't enjoy it. Like uh, the, the Buckeye season last year, right? We had a great start. We had a great season. Bad ending, right? It was horrible. Anybody, no Buckeye fans out here? I'm not, nobody, nobody recognizes anything that I'm saying. Yeah, we got a few. Okay, you're just being quiet this morning. All right. That's okay. You can, you can keep drinking your coffee. You'll catch up to me. All right. <clears throat> and so nobody really likes a bad ending. Like, you, you all know a bad ending of a movie that you've seen or a TV show series that you watched or a story that you know. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 30 seconds. I want you to turn to somebody around you, and I want you to tell them the worst ending to a story that you have ever seen. Go ahead and do that now. All right, all right. So what are, what are we saying out there? What are you guys hearing? What, what's the worst ending to a TV show or movie or story? What, what do you got? Anybody? Heroes. What is it? Heroes. Heroes. Yeah, that show kind of, it, it kind of ended abruptly, right? It didn't really have a final final thing. What else? Yeah, well, that one's not done yet. The series of resurrection. The series of resurrection. No, I haven't seen that. No, I haven't seen. That. I heard. I heard Hunger Games. Somebody was saying Hunger Games, and look, look, we're only we're not even done with that series yet. So just hang on, little Padawans. Just hold on, okay. Uh, also, what's some of the, one of the worst worst TV show endings? Lost. Who said Lost? Yeah, you know, you wasted six years of your life, didn't you? And you can never get that back, right? Oh, you watched you watch them on Netflix, huh? Oh, see, Smart Girl. See, that's what I did. I watched Lost uh, all six seasons. And I watched them all in about a two and a half week span, right? So there's my shame. Look at it, laugh at it. I get it. If you watch Lost, you know how much TV watching that was and how, how late and, or early in the morning I was up until like two or three in the morning every night watching Lost. You just had to hit next and watch it. Because what, what they did in this series was they, they gave you a lot of secrets. They asked a lot of great questions and created a lot of mysteries. And you were like, oh, what does that mean? i got to watch next week. you got to watch next week. They were great as the cliffhangers. But when it came to the end, they didn't have enough answers. The writers ran out of time to provide all the answers. And it's smoke and monsters. And you're like, what? It was the worst ending to a TV series ever. Lost. At the end, the thing that everybody said is, I am lost. That's it. And so you wasted six years of your life if you watched it every week. But, but, but still, it's just, it was horrible. So, so why do I say that? Well, because, because this marriage is a huge topic to grapple with, right? And we want to make sure that, that, uh, that every one of you that are in a marriage covenant relationship together, not only that you, just have, that you have a great beginning to your marriage, because everybody, we all have a great beginning, right? We have the, the wedding day, you know, there's the, the, the bride, there's the, the ceremony, there's the reception, the food, the cake, the dancing. Or maybe it's not dancing that was great for you. But anyway, we have this great beginning to our wedding or to our marriage. And, and really, 
the, the beginning is not that we pray what we pray about. It's the end that we're concerned with, right? We want your marriage to end well. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 7. It says, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's the goal, folks. That verse right there is the goal for your marriage, that our marriages would go the distance and make it through every circumstance because the last day of our marriage is way more important than the first day of your marriage. I mean, it's incredibly possible to have a great beginning and a horrible ending, just like lost. So what is the last day of your marriage going to look like? I want you to think about that, and I want you to be intentional about that. Why is that important? Well, is the last day of your marriage going to end in court? With you pointing fingers at each other, yelling at each other, calling each other names, ripped apart, never speaking to each other, fighting over kids, fighting over money? Is that how your marriage is going to end? Or will your marriage end someday with you holding her hand or his hand, and the last time they close their eyes or take their last breath, you're the last face they see before they see Jesus' face? Is that how your marriage will end? Will your marriage end with you serving God together? Is that how, you, how it's going to end? If you want those kind of endings, then you have to be intentional about the way you live your life and you live in your marriage because nobody likes a bad ending. Nobody likes a bad ending. So with the end in view, please understand why this marriage of topic or this topic of marriage and, and relationships is so important for us to discuss here at Simple Church. So this week we're going to discuss what guys want girls to know about guys. Next week, it'll be what girls want guys to know about girls. So here we are. We got five things. Lock in with me. We'll see if we can get through and we didn't make it first service. Here we go. <laughs> and let me say this. Some of these things, guys and gals, you know, you may, you may hear, and I'm speaking in generalizations, okay? So I may say something about guys and I'm going to speak, speak in, in generalities. And you may not fit into these categories, but overall you will fit into this somewhere, okay? So, all right, the vast majority of you. The first thing that guys... Hold, wait for it. The first thing that guys want women to know about guys. We are not women. That's the first thing we want you to know about us. Ask a woman, ask a woman to describe her perfect mate, and she'll talk about long walks on the beach... Cuddling, listening and talking, sharing feelings and emotions. You know what she's describing? Another woman. That's right. But guys, we are not women, okay? We see life differently. We see through a lens that is different than yours, okay? And, and if you ask a man, like look, look at it this way. Here's a perfect example. If you ask a man, what's wrong? And he says nothing. Guess what, ladies? There's nothing wrong with him. He's fine. On the flip side of that, if you ask a girl... Hey, what's wrong? And she says nothing. Well, we look out. There is, there is something. There is something. Or for when a man sighs. When a man sighs, it's a vocalization. It's, it's, it's of that everything is good. I am happy. I, am, I have accomplished something. It's this exhale. This is a good day. When a female sighs. Oh, oh dear Lord. It means you just screwed things up. You're an idiot. That's what just happened. When a woman says, I have nothing to wear, it means I have nothing new to wear. When a guy says, I have nothing to wear, it means that he hasn't taken the time to do his laundry. You know what I'm saying? Nothing clean. So we're very different. And I would say that if you miss this all-important part, if you, if you miss everything else that I say today, I don't want you to miss this. We're designed and wired differently by God. Okay? And if we can remember that, 
this thing in the different seasons of our marriages, it'll save us so much pain. Look, if I can take a woman's brain and, and put it right here in front of you, take it out of her head and put it right here in front of you, you know what it'll look like? A bunch of, a bunch of like wires, like a mob of wires. Why? Because for a woman, everything in her life is connected to everything else, right? Kids are connected to the job, which is connected to her spouse, which is connected to the movie she watched earlier, which is connected to her sex drive, and everything is connected. Like, if the kids are misbehaving in the morning, it affects her work performance all day long, right? For, for what she watched in a movie three hours earlier can affect her mood now. And this is why, guys, you can be in a passionate embrace with your lover, and, and you're kissing, and, you know, it's, it's one of those tense moments, and she'll stop and go, hey, did you take out the trash? Because everything in her world is connected, Everything is connected. Man, we're not a bunch of wires. You know what we are, guys? We're a bunch of boxes. We're a bunch of boxes. Everything that we do fits in a box, right? We, we have our work box. We have our hangout box. And, we, and none of those boxes touch, right? We have our responsibility at home box. We have our education box. We have our mother-in-law box. We have all these boxes, right? <laughs> This is why a guy can go out and spend the day golfing with his buddies and spend seven hours with him, and he can come home and you can ask him, hey, what would you guys talk about today? And he's like, nothing. <laughs> he was in his golf box. He doesn't know. They, they talk, talked all day long. He was focused. And there's, there's this one box in a guy's mind, and I'm not being funny here. I'm being absolutely serious. Ladies, there is a box in a guy's mind that is called his nothing box, Okay. That this, when a guy enters his nothing box, like he comes home from work and he sits down, and maybe he's had a meal already, and he just turns on the tube, he enters his nothing box. He is, he is in a zone, right? And so it, you, can, you can talk to a guy, ladies, you can ask him a question, and he's not going to answer you for 25 minutes. And when he does answer you, it's probably not the answer to the question you ask in the first place. It is like, we are gone. We, we, this nothing box exists. There's nothing on our minds. Absolutely nothing, which is way different from the ladies. Another way we're different is women have a lot of memory, okay? If you ask a woman about their day, they relive their day in excruciatingly painful detail. <laughs> this guy who hasn't uh, recently talked to, who hasn't talked to his wife in 18 months. And I said, wow, man, that's, that's not healthy. Like, that really concerns me. Why haven't you talked to her in 18 months? He said, well, I don't want to interrupt her. It says, oh. <laughs> no, but seriously, seriously, my, my wife and I, like, look, if you're, ever, if you're ever at my house when my wife comes in, if we haven't seen each other all day, I'm not a jerk for not asking her how her day was. I know that when, because she fits into that category perfectly. When I ask her how her day was, she is going to relive details about things. Uh, he said this, and she said that, and then I had my hand here, and I said that. Look, it, so I don't always ask immediately, especially if I don't have time to hear the response, because then I just look like a jerk. So I'm not being a jerk for asking, and I don't want to be a jerk for asking and then not listening, right? And so I'm very careful. There's sometimes I forget that she's wired that way, and I'll ask her, hey, how was your day? And she just rolls into it, and I'm like, you know what? Is this going to be a long story? Is this going to be a long story? Because I really, I, I have about five minutes, you know? And, and, and. Again, you, th you may think that's me being a jerk. That's just me being honest. That's me being honest and saying, I want to hear this, but I, I'm in this box right now. And I'll gladly step out of that box for five minutes, but I'm keeping one foot in it. You know what I'm saying? So I get back in. So, so women are very different from us. Uh, generally, when a guy tells a story, it's pretty cut and dry, right? We're like, this is what happened. Bottom line, that's it. And we're done. 
But it's important to understand our individual wiring because if we don't get this, we will turn head problems, the way we're wired, into heart problems. And we, we become uh, offended or bitter at the way that each other acts, right? And, and you don't want to do that. If you realize that they're wired differently from the beginning, you have less problems. And so it's important to understand that individual wiring, right? So now consider our different wiring and then add it to our different backgrounds, the way that we grew up or the, the way that we were raised by our parents, right? Combine those things and, and what we've got is, is not really issues. We've got a bunch of tensions that are to be managed in, in marriage, right? Like our, our different personalities and, and um, like, like for example, he likes to stay up late, she likes to go to bed early. That's not a problem. That's a tension, right? He likes it cold, she likes it warm. He likes to spend, she's a saver. And these, these things, they're just tensions. They're not problems. They're tensions to be managed, okay? Problems are when, when he belittles you, right? That's a problem. Or you're so prideful, you never extend forgiveness. You know, problems need to be dealt with. And I would encourage you, if you are dealing with problems, not tensions, that you need to get into counseling and deal with those, deal with those issues, okay? The second thing that we want you to know is, guys, we are going to spend time where we feel competent and respected, we are going to spend time where we feel competent and respected. When guys are asked if they, there's a survey that was done, a bunch of guys were asked if they'd rather feel alone and unloved or inadequate and disrespected. Do you know what they choose? Alone and unloved. They don't want to feel inadequate or disrespected because men want to be respected. Let's look to Genesis for, for this to give, give us some insight into men, right? Into, into the way that we are geared, into the way that God created us. In Genesis 2, 15 through 17, it says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Look, God put man there. And what did he do? He gave him a job. He gave him something to do, something to achieve, a goal. He gave him something to work towards, to move ahead. And, and so, you know, we look, at, we look at, at man's drive to do that, to accomplish something, and we say, well, that's the result of a fallen world. That's not true. This is God's original purpose for us. He gave us a drive to accomplish and to do things, right? So men are driven to move forward, work, and achieve, which is why a lot of guys have a tendency to be workaholics. It is part of how we are wired, how we are made. It is not a result of sin. Now, if you would push back here and say, well, that's not my boyfriend or that's not my husband, then it's very possible that they just haven't found the thing that drives them yet, right? Like that they haven't tapped into their passion yet. Because when you connect your life to passion, guys will be driven to follow that and to pursue that. So whatever environment that men can be in where they can achieve and succeed will eventually capture our hearts, our time, and our attention. Because we're drawn to it. We're absolutely drawn to it. That's why guys aren't typically drawn to the home, right? We don't feel like we're very good at anything in the house. We, 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 anything that's to be done there, we don't feel like we're, we're good at it. Whether it's from we feel that way because we were belittled by our spouse or it's because of the overwhelming responsibility that it never seems like it's done, it never goes away, I, I'm not really sure. But let me say this, that I would say that people have a tendency to do or want to do the things that they feel that they are good at. What does that mean? People have a tendency to want to do the things that they feel that they are good at. Ladies, if your husband felt like he was a good dad, he might engage with it a little more. If he felt like he did the dishes well, he might engage with it a little more. What, that, what does that mean? What is that going to take? That means that you are going to have to acknowledge some of those things that he's doing. When you catch him doing things, hey, you did a great job. Thank you for doing the dishes. Acknowledging those kind of things. When we get respected or we get acknowledged in that way, we're driven to do those kind of things, right? 
So ladies, my challenge to you is to make your husband feel competent, respected, and supported in the home. The worst thing you can do is send him out in the world making him feel like a loser. You're to be here for him. Let's look at Genesis. Your sole purpose, ladies. Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Ladies, you were created to be a helper for the guy. He is incomplete without you. And in context of the scripture, woman was there to inspire, support, and help him. And when you don't, ladies, when you don't show up in this way, a guy feels like he's lacking something, like he's less of a man. He does. When you're not there for him. Look at Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. It says, wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show you support, show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering. That means you don't look at her and tell her submit. That's not the way you do it. But by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Now, don't get worked up about that word submit. Like we've, made, we've placed it into the bad, the, the, the bad word column, right? We've said, oh, no, that's a bad place to be. Submit. I'm not going to submit. But that's, that's not it. In prior verses in Ephesians, we see that husbands and wives are commanded to submit to each other. Okay, so he's just bringing this back up again. You are, you, Paul is trying to encourage wives to find a way to make your husband feel valued and respected. Because, ladies, if you don't do this for your man, he will find it somewhere else. Now, I will speak into this, ladies, because maybe you find this hard to do. Maybe you find it hard to respect your guy. And uh, because he's not a very respectable individual. And in those cases, I would challenge you to gear your heart towards honoring and respecting the position. What does that mean? Well, for instance, if President Obama was standing here in front of you today, you would respect his position. You may not agree with him, but you would respect the fact that he's the President of the United States. Now, ladies, I'm not telling you that your husband is the President of the United States or that, you know, that, that he is supposed to fly on Air Force One and live in the White House. I am saying that respect the position. Gear your hearts that way. Humble yourself. Pray for him. Because, ladies, it's important. Look at Ephesians 5.33. So again, I say, each man, and this, this is the key verse. This is, this is the one that clarifies. You say, well, I'm not really sure. I think, I think I'm supposed to love him. Well, look, it says, so again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And you would think the reciprocal of that would be, and each wife must love the man as she loves himself. Nay, nay, that's not what this verse says. You know what this verse says? And the wife must respect her husband. Why? Because that's how dudes feel love. That's it. When you respect us, that's how we feel love. See, look, it says, husbands must love the wife as he loves himself. Look, 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 a guy can be old and wrinkly, balding and hairy in all the wrong places, and stand in front of a mirror completely naked and be like, I am fabulous. This is amazing. <laughs> and so <laughs> the man is commanded to love the wife the way he loves himself, just as she is. Just the same way that you love yourself, guys. Guys don't have a problem with self-love. We love. We love ourselves. We are good. Love your wife that way. Love your wife that way. And ladies, you're, you're commanded to respect him. So find a way to respect him. That's how we, how we feel that love. The real here, issue here is that guys don't have a tendency to lead anything, right? You say, well, if you want my respect, you need to lead. And the guys don't have a tendency to do that. And for some reason, we men have extended our childhood into our like, late 30s, right? You know, we're still playing video games, you know, and we want to live life like we're still in college. Like there's 20 guys in our dorm, and we're all fighting to be Guitar Hero. Although now, we're 32, and we are the guitar hero, and we're still at home alone playing it. You know what I'm saying? It's like we, we can't be that way. So, guys, if you want her respect, 
and you want her to follow your leadership, then you need to lead with support, with words that are of love, that are caring for your wife and not neglecting her. Spiritual leadership, what does that mean? Does that mean standing around bonking around the head with a Bible and saying, no, you're not doing that right? No. It means, guys, you need to be in your Bible yourself. You need to be in the Bible reading the Word of God. And when you come across a scripture or a verse that challenges you and you say, man, I'm not obedient to this thing. I'm not obedient to this thing. It says to do this and I'm not. That you repent. That you ask for forgiveness and apologize if if those things are needed to the people that you've offended or, or the way that you have broken or been disobedient according to the word. That's leading. And when you lead by example, your family will follow. See, people that are pushed, when you try to lead people and you try to lead them by pushing them, they will push back every single time. But if you lead people by... By example, they will follow. They will follow. So guys, it is time for you to step up and be the spiritual leadership in your home. What does that look like? Well, it means next time you yell at your spouse in front of the kids, that you turn to the kids and apologize to them for the way that you spoke to her. And then you apologize to her for the way that you spoke to her. Say, this isn't right. That's leadership. That is being the spiritual head of your household. So guys, get it together. Okay, I'm done. Sorry, mic, mic dropper. Get all pastorly and excited when I start talking like that. Man, what would our world look like if we did that? Oh, but ladies would much rather have a man who, re- who can respect them, love them, and know nothing about the Bible than a guy who can quote scripture all day long and tell her to shut up, sit down, and know her role. And all the ladies said? Amen. Amen. That's right. So ladies, how do you show respect? The mo- I said we'd be practical. So the most practical way to show respect to a man is through your words and your body language. Look, if a guy is, is getting a vibe from you, from your body language, that you are disgusted with him, it's not going to do much for him. Do you encourage him, ladies? Do you build him up? Do you call out things that he's good at? Do you compliment him in front of other people? Don't emasculate him by humiliating him in front of his friends, or if you're at a party airing your dirty laundry or airing his failures in front of people, you don't need to do that. that, that that's, the, all that does is just tear him down, telling about his failures, making him the butt of jokes. Look, let me tell you something. If my wife ever does that to me and we're out in public, I, l- I let it go. I let it, I let it happen. But you know what happens? We get in the car, and then we have this intense fellowship <laughs> about how I was disrespected because that just tears me down. And, and, uh, and so I would say, ladies, sometimes you need to treat us men as, as little kids, right? So don't emasculate us. And then, and then a way to show us respect is treat us like little kids. Now, hear me out. Don't, don't talk down to us, okay? But, but when we go do things that we don't really want to do, you know, like something that needs to be done and we did it and you know that we don't want to do it, like let us know, hey, I really appreciate you doing that thing, whatever it was. I appreciate you doing that. Thanks for going out of your way and doing that. I know you didn't want to do it. Or when they go someplace with you that they don't want to go, and they're like, oh, my gosh, and they go with you. Like, seriously, let them know. Look, my wife and I have a joke. Anytime she asks me to do something, you know what I do? If it's like during the day, she says, hey, can you do this? And I go, yep. As soon as I've got that done, I text her and I let her know. Do you know why? Because what's coming is what I want. She goes, who's a good boy? She does, and I start wagging my tail, and I go like this. Look, if you've ever been with me when she said it to me in person, you know that I get excited, and I'm like this. I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. Now, look, ladies, that's a joke in my house. Your guy's probably going to be upset if you do that to him. But we're, we're just, we're just we, that's just how we are. So she looks at me, but sometimes you need to look at guys. You need to give them the who's a good boy. You need to do it because they need to be, they need to be respected that way. 
I'm going to get everybody in so much trouble. <laughs> so much trouble. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So ladies, are you speaking into your man's life? Or are you insulting or nagging him? That's, those things are not going to motivate him, right? You know, like, like if you're saying, why can't you be like this? How come you never do this? How come this? Whatever it is, you are nagging your guy that is not going to get him to where you want to go. Let me, let me read the most offensive verses in the Bible. I'm going to read them to you rapid fire about ladies. You ready? Here it is. Proverbs 21.19. It's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. Proverbs 11.22. A beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. Hmm. Pretty gross. Proverbs 12.4. A worthy wife is a crown for her husband, but a disgraceful woman is like cancer in his bones. Proverbs 21.9. It's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Proverbs 27.15 says a quarrelsome wife is as annoying as a constant dripping on a rainy day. Drip, drip, drip. Anybody ever heard of the Chinese water torture? They lay you back, they strap you down, and then they just drip water on your head until you like lose your mind and you break, right? Ladies, this is what you're like when you're quarrelsome. What does it mean to be quarrelsome? It's like, so I'm in a conversation with somebody and you happen to be there, my wife, which we'll just say it's an imaginary person, not my wife, not Shanda, somebody else, not you, baby. I love you. And I say, it was five years ago. And she goes, no, it's not. It was four years ago. No, I'm pretty sure it was four. It was four. Like, this, this is just being quarrelsome over things that don't matter. You know, insignificant things. When you are quarrelsome, you are like a constant dripping on a rainy day. You, you are going to make me lose my ever-loving mind. It's scriptural. Don't argue with me, okay? All right. So quit quarreling over those insignificant things. The third thing that guys... So, ladies, respect your guys, okay? All right. The third thing that we want you to know, we are not perverts, okay? We are not perverts. Sex is already a big issue in marriage. And for the guys, sometimes I would say that sex is the issue, okay? Sex is the issue for us. Here's a, here's a stat that I'm sure most of you know. They say that every seven seconds, a guy thinks about sex. And uh, I'm going to tell you that it's not true. I'm actually a guy, in case you didn't know that. And, uh, and it's every five seconds. It's every five seconds. We have these crazy sayings in our culture, like the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Do you know who came up with that? A woman. She's the one that said that. I think she was right. I think her aim was off by six inches, though. <laughs> think through that for just a second. Think through that. That's the reality, though. But I want you to know, we want you to know that our sexual desire is given to us by God, right? We are not perverts. From ages 16 to 18, testosterone, which will begin, it's really hard for me to say that today, I don't know why, but it will begin to be released into our bodies, and then it continues to grow as it releases through our body through age 25, right? Our sexual drive continues to grow and grow, and once we get about 25, it starts to plateau, right? It levels out. And so this testosterone that is flowing through our bodies, ladies, if you would understand how often this drives us and makes us think about sex, you would just be disgusted with us, right? But, that, but it, like for a guy, if our testosterone level drops, our sex drive goes away. We think about it less, right? And, and, but same brain, same body, same guy, when, that, when those chemicals drop, 
We, we lose that sex drive. But if you, if you increase the testosterone levels, it comes right back for us, right? And, and God made us this way. A rush of testosterone can come through our bodies at virtually any time during the day. Any time. Which is why, ladies, you get that tap on your shoulder at 6 a.m. In the, in the morning with those three magical words. Hey, you awake? <laughs> There's a rush that can come through us at any time. We have no control over that. Women are a lot more complicated, but for men, we are simple. Sex is not a side issue for us. It's a big issue. So ladies, when you act disinterested or you treat him like he's a pervert, you're causing a huge problem for your men. You are. It's a big deal for us. And sex for guys, sex tends to erase our problems. We can have a hard day at work. We can get a flat tire on the way home. We're having hot dogs for dinner and we are not happy about that. But we can have sex and we're feeling good. Feeling good. It's great. The day has been, been successful. But for ladies, where, where for guys, where sex erase prob, erases problems, <coughs> for ladies, problems tends to erase sex for them, right? Like you woke up, oh, I got a hangnail today, I'm not in the mood. Like, look, problem. <laughs> oh, you're so mad at me, aren't you? Kids didn't do the dishes. Just, it's just, you know, everything is ruined for you. And sex is a huge issue in the Bible. When we look into it, God created it. You know, it's not like Adam was just walking along and accidentally tripped over Eve and fell on top of her and stood up and was like, whoa, that was amazing. What was that? It's not like it happened by accident. This is, sex is a gift from God. He created it for us, right? And so, you know, it's no surprise to me, but you may be surprised at how sex is talked about in the Bible. Look at 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5. It says, The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's need. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to the wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Here's what's unique about a guy's need for sex. Over every other need that he has. He has need for relationship. He has need for respect. He can get those anywhere he wants. He can get those in plenty of other places outside of the marriage relationship. But sex is one of those needs that is intended to be fulfilled within the marriage covenant. That is the only place. And so, guys, the guys, we get married. We commit to you, ladies. We say, you are my only person. I'm going to commit to you. You're the only place that I will find that need fulfilled. I, I give myself to you. So ladies, if you're not interested in sex or not engaged in his need and its fulfillment, then, then guys that I talk to or, or, or husbands that I'll talk to that are, are not or experiencing that at home, they're like, what do I do? Do I, do I remain an honorable guy and stay in this relationship? I committed to her and she's not interested. Or do I go out and find it from someplace else? <clears throat> guys, I'm going to encourage you to be honorable and pray for your wife. And find out what, what the root of that issue is. Maybe get into some counseling. But, but ladies, I, I dare you. I dare you to go home today with a renewed interest in your man's sexual, sexuality and his needs. Ask him if you are meeting those needs. I dare you. I dare you. Because you may be surprised at the answer. You may think everything is fine and find out that it's, well, if he's going to be honest, maybe. Maybe. So, ladies, let me give you some tips. I want you to try wearing things that he likes. Now, my mom and dad were here in the first service, and I told them, not them. I said, not you guys. Don't you do that. <laughs> I said, but talk about, a, talk, about a, talk about it. Make a plan for things that you want to do in the bedroom, right? Like, look, there's, and this is probably over the line, and you'll have to forgive me. Tell me after service if it is. Nobody came up first service and told me, but... You know, my wife, I came upstairs one day, and she was in the bedroom, and she had on this outfit. And I playfully said, I said, what you doing? 
And she said, well, when a woman wears an outfit like this, it means that she's interested in, you know. And I said, oh, okay. When when we wear this outfit. I said, that's awesome. A couple weeks later, um, I was upstairs in the bedroom, and uh, she was downstairs, and I started hollering through the house, don't get there before I do. (laughs) And I hollered through the house, and she came upstairs, and she comes in the bedroom, can't find me. I'm in the closet, and she opens the closet door, and I had on the outfit. (laughs) And, uh, And I said, well, you said when we wear this outfit, it means that we are interested. So... Needless to say, through the laughter, and he struggled to get out of said outfit, because it was not my size. It was when we were done, but it was not at first. But, but, oh, sorry, so let's bring it back in. I got to get through this. But seriously, ladies, you know, you worry about suggesting things to your guy because you think it might be a little too dirty. Let me, let me tell you something. If you think it's too dirty, he's probably going to think it's awesome. <laughs> he's going to think it's great. You know, and my wife and I say this all the time. We, we say that if you can communicate in the bedroom, then you can communicate anywhere. If you can talk about this subject with your guy, then, then, then you, can, you can talk about anything. So start talking about it. I encourage you to start talking about it. Your sense of sexual desire for your husband or lack of it profoundly affects his sense of well-being and his self-confidence. And most guys would rather go outside and work all day in the rain than go home and have sex with their wives who are disinterested. They, they just would. So ladies, let me, let me say this to you. If you are disinterested because you have been violated in some way, you have been abused, or you have, you have been hurt, if you are disengaged because of something like that, I understand that, and I'm sorry for that. But let me encourage you to not use that as a crutch to be disengaged. Your spouse needs you. And so my encouragement to you is to take him by the hand, and if you've never told him, confess that to him. And then to seek help, seek counsel. There's nothing wrong with doing that, because this is an important part of your marriage, and it is worth the effort. It is worth it. Proverbs 5, 18, 19 says, Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. So ladies, you're wondering why he's always grabbing at you? Well, he's trying to apply scripture, okay? (laughs) He's a biblical guy, and I would encourage you to encourage his spiritual walk, okay? It's his growth. (laughs) Don't don't, don't tweet that one. Don't tweet that one. (laughs) But there are plenty of sexual verses in the Bible. Song of Songs was written by... By Solomon, the third king over Israel, and, and he wrote it to the Shulamite woman. Now, we, we, we recognize that that's not a very sexy name, so we assume she had a great personality. But, but uh, so he, he wrote song of <laughs> so he wrote song of songs four one through five. It says, uh, "You are beautiful, my darling. Beautiful beyond words. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead." Your te- <laughs> this is the Bible, guys. Your teeth are as white as sheep, recently shorn and freshly washed. So she brushes her teeth. This is a good thing, right? <laughs> Your smile is flawless. Each tooth, each tooth matched with its twin. So she's got all of her teeth, right? Which means we know she's not a hockey player or, or British. So, all right. And so... <laughs> so 
He goes on, he says, your lips are like scarlet. I shouldn't have said that. I should not have said that. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Your neck is as beautiful as the Tower of David. So she's got a long neck, and he's digging that. He's loving that. This is his, his woman. He is loving every bit of her, jeweled with the shields of a thousand heroes. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle grazing among the lilies. I mean, like he's talking about her like she's a petting zoo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But his wife is his standard of beauty. <laughs> and he loves every bit of her, right? And all of this is leading up to the sex act. So this chapter ends here and chapter 5 begins and he says, I have entered my garden, my treasure, my bride. I gathered myrrh with my spices and eat honeycomb with my honey. I drink wine with my milk. I have no comment on any of that. I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> but I would say that 90% of our life is boring, right? It's going to work, it's changing diapers, it's soccer games, and, but God gave us sex as a gift from, from all the crazy routines of life. It's a gift to be enjoyed. So my encouragement, ladies and guys, don't put it on a shelf. It's not where it belongs. The longer a man goes without sex, the more he craves it. The longer a woman goes without sex, the less she wants it and craves it. Look, ladies, we aren't perverts. We aren't. The fact is, without sex, most guys would never get married. They don't want to deal with the problems in marriage, but sex connects us, right? Think about how many times you have fought. You've had a knockdown, drag them out fight, ladies, guys, and you fought. You storm off, and you don't see each other until it's time to go to bed. You're just mad, you're seething mad. And then you see her disrobing and getting ready for bed, and you all of a sudden decide it's time to apologize. <laughs> Hey guys, if you're sitting here cheering me on, preach it because, and saying preach it because you never get any sex, you know, there's, there's probably a reason for that. I'm going to speak to you just for just a second. Guys, if you're, if you're, if you're not, you're probably a jerk. <laughs> honestly. We may laugh at that, you know, because, because I'm, I'm calling you out, but honestly, you're probably a jerk. You, you probably don't treat her very well. You know, we'll get in next week into how you're supposed to treat your lady, but you, you, you probably don't. And, uh, and Kelly's playing, so that means we're out of time. I didn't get, I didn't get through them. I've got, I've got three minutes, and I've got, I've got three minutes to finish this up. Well, isn't that irony? Oh, excuse me, sorry. All right, so... Sorry, forgive me, I'm sorry. I'm going to give you the last two things quickly, okay? <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate whoever just absolved me. I'm not sure who that was, but thank you. The fourth thing is, ladies, we're, we're hoping you look as good for us as you do for others. Right now, look, we're not asking you to be supermodels. There's like seven supermodels in the world of all the, all the billions of ladies, and we don't expect you to be a supermodel. But we expect you to look as good for us as you do for others. Okay? Don't keep wearing the baggy sweats or that team building exercise t-shirt that you got in 1991 it's got holes in it and paint all over it you know the one i'm talking about i know it's comfortable but put on something nice for your guy you know what maybe you should have a conversation about hey what would you like to see me wearing on a regular basis you know and guy we're, we're not trying to make you an object we're not trying to make you a thing but, but we appreciate when you look good for us you know you see this in marriage a lot that where, where they you get married and 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 uh, the wedding pictures, you look nothing like your wedding picture anymore, right? The wedding picture, your hair was all did, and you know, and you look nice and tan and possibly even skinnier than you look today. And 
we get married and we just stop working on that. We stop worrying about how our hair looks. We stop being presentable for each other. But let me encourage you. This is for the men and the ladies. Continue to be on the prowl in your marriage for each other. Because that's how you caught each other, right? You were on the prowl for each other. You looked your best. And that's how you caught them. And now the thing that, that, honestly, the thing that will keep them is the thing that caught them in the first place. So continue to work on that. Ladies, you, we want to say about you what the Song of Songs says in 4-7. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. Beautiful in every way. It isn't just how you dress. It's your attitude. It's your confidence. So, so, so you know, you, some of the pushback to this is like, well, I'm busy. We're married. We've got kids. It's difficult. Let me tell you something. If your marriage ended today, I guarantee you, you would suddenly find time in the middle of all of that to look your best because you're on the prowl again. You can do it. It's something that you can turn on and off. The fifth thing is, ladies, we want to do stuff with you. Basically, the couple that plays together stays together. We want to enjoy what we enjoy with the person that we enjoy the most. And ladies, if you don't know, that's you. That is you. We want to do what we enjoy with you. So ladies, do the things that he likes to do. Hang out with him. Just be with him. I don't, I don't have time to unpack all that. I think you get the gist of what that means. Spend time with him. Encourage him. So today, we're, I'm going to pray. I'm going to end here. We're, we're, just, we're just a few minutes past where we usually close today. And I appreciate your, you hanging in there with us. But I want to pray for you. I'd, I'd love if you bow your heads.